G'day film fans, I'm Dave. And I'm John, and no Jeff, because this week he's a little bitch. And welcome back yeah. to the love he's take, of cinema. He's taking he's taken some leave. He's taking some leave. We're not sure what the charges are, but it involved a sheep and the outfit from American Horror Story Season 1. So we didn't ask questions. He'll be back soon. Yeah, you know what? We're not even done with our fucking <laughs> intros yet. But you know what, Jeff? This is for you, you little bitch. Just because I know you know exactly what that means. So fucking drink, drink, drink. Welcome, folks, to the love. That noise, that noise right there. Welcome to the love of cinema, a pod in which we challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep us honest, we have made this a drinking game. (sighs) (laughs) You hear that sound. You're going to hear another one. If anyone says anything negative or stupid, you're going to hear this sound. Which you've already heard, and mm-hmm. the offender will drink. So we'll pour yourselves a glass and let's. Uh, oh, it's it's happened. I've been waiting for this all year, and it's happened. Oh my god, Dave has been waiting for this all <laughs> fucking year. We are going to be talking this week about the new release that is out on HBO Max and theaters nationwide, international, I believe as well. So getting some China sales. This is the Suicide Squad. Otherwise known as mm. Suicide Squad 2, depending on where you're looking this up. But Dave, am I right? This is the Suicide Squad, not just Suicide is, Squad. Yes, this is the Suicide Squad. Uh, it's a soft reboot of uh, the, the series uh, that does feature some characters from the first movie. Uh, but before we get into that, John, you want to do some shout outs? I do, I do, I do. We have a beer sponsor because mm. we're a drinking podcast and we usually drink beer, even though my co-host today is drinking bourbon and ginger because he's I, an I, insane I person. I, I couldn't. We're doing Catwoman later. I couldn't let the challenge go unanswered. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Tune in for a little later for this week when you can uh, you can hear our episode on the 2004 release of Catwoman later on that. Uh, but for right now, our beer sponsor's name is Carlos Barroso. The handle on Instagram is Cbarozo Bar 2019. That is C B A R R O Z O B A R 2019. If you want to give him a follow, and if you're digging that music at the beginning and end of this podcast and every single episode of this podcast, it's provided by the artist Dasein D A S E I N. Head on over to SoundCloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist, and you can download all that music for free. Just just one more time, just because. Just because why not? You know what, Jeff, Jeff, fuck you. You should probably just drink if you're listening to this. All right, Dave, I have been waiting for a very long time to talk with you. I'm sad Jeff's not here, but uh, we're going to have a good time regardless. This movie has been highly anticipated by our co-host Dave Green. And by everybody else, because there's a little bit of backstory before that. So not to pimp you out too much, but let's just fill up, fill in everyone as appropriate as you feel that uh, to kind of give us the backstory for how James Gunn found his way to directing this one, what happened after the first a, one that a led little, to this it's one? It's a little bit, little bit controversial. Um, a lot of things happen from the first one. John, I'll get you hit your all button one more time so that drink logo disappears. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> and uh, a little, a little thing, uh, a little few things happened. The first, I mean, the first movie was already controversial because they uh, basically um, the studio took over from the director, uh, David Ayer, and uh, re-edited three versions of the first movie. So the first movie that came out was not the film he released. Right. It, was, it wasn't the film he made. So it was all, this, this thing was already controversial before it starts. Then James Gunn comes along, he's sitting there writing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and some people who didn't like what he was saying about a certain person online found some comments from years ago when he was working with Troma. And, of course, he's working with Troma. He's doing horror films. He's trying to be a bit edgy. So he made some inappropriate jokes online. Yeah, the Troma films we, they, talk, we talked about, the Toxic Avenger, not too long ago. So he was working with that with that team for mm, a while, right? With that yeah. crew, yeah. yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, and he uh, basically they sent those to Disney and went, "Is this the kind of person you employ, really?" And Disney went, "Okay, we have to fire you," and they they sacked him. Wow. So as soon as they, I think it was like within half an hour, it felt like within half an hour, like DC is called, "Hey, you want to do uh, you want to do Suicide Squad too?" <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, he immediately moved over onto that. Um, coincidentally, uh, as soon as the Disney Fox merger was finished they immediately hired james gunn back for guardians of the galaxy 3 so that it all it all worked out yeah um but he yeah he went on to write and direct this film um i think he co-wrote it uh but um yeah yeah, he he's been working on this for a couple of years of course the pandemic hit it got delayed and delayed but this thing's been finished for a long time has it really Mm. i don't think i realized that it had been in the can for for quite so long because that probably happened you're saying they were probably ready for a 2020 release date well, like summer no i wouldn't say 2020 but they i think they were they were eyeing earlier on in the year but then of course it it didn't go well yeah and everyone got a bit nervous and i guess with james gunn that's as nervous as the execs could get because th- i'm pretty sure he walked in and when i have final edit in this thing um get final edit in your contracts people trust me if they'll give it to you get it i mean yeah Yeah. that is the dream well let's uh let's just catch people up just a little bit so if anyone missed Mm. uh suicide squad the the first one the first installment to what i guess is now turning into a a series about the suicide squad um it's basically featuring all of the super villains from the dc universe who are jailed right this is the premise of the whole Mm. the big the big picture of the series and every now and then the u.s government employs the services of these super villains to try to do some some uh very dangerous work that is basically suicide missions trying to do impossible missions and they just use these these uh super villains to do that for them so that was that's basically the gist of the first one it's similar premise for this one but i will just read the imdb blurb here is the synopsis. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reef Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force, Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Written and directed by James Dunn. Starring Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, m- m- many, many every, other cameos. Every <laughs> Joel, fucking Joel person Kinnaman, in the world shout out to Joel film. Kinnaman. That was fun. Michael Rooker. Yeah, there's a lot of. We'll get into Nathan that. Nathan Fillion's in there for like yeah, for Nathan Fillion's in there. Yeah, I mean, he's he actually. Uh, there's been a fun thing. I uh, you probably you might have seen it on the Facebook uh, group that we have, but uh, the his hometown of Edmonton changed their city hall to the nathan fillion civilian pavilion for the weekend shut the fuck there's up. like a sign on it yeah <laughs> oh that's pretty fun <laughs> so anyway so as uh, as you can tell this is a uh, very similar to the first suicide squad this thing just jumps in and you are on the ride from the beginning now dave was telling me right before we started recording he has now seen this how many times Two and a half. I'm halfway through the third watch. Two and a half, third time. Did you go to the theater for any of those? Or are these all I HBO did. at home? I watches? did. Um, I, I did. I did go to the theater in New York. Um, and you know what? I know a lot of stuff's going on. So, and they're they're saying numbers are down for the the film, and everyone's writing these articles about, oh, numbers are down. Do you want to know why? And it's like, no, we fucking know why. It's like it's not safe for to go to the theater at the moment. So a lot of people aren't going. So yeah. the numbers are down on it. But I did go to the theater. Um, and I saw this in IMAX. Damn. Now, if yeah, if you don't feel safe going to the theater, I'm not going to recommend you go to the theater. Absolutely not. But I will tell you, the IMAX of this is immersive as fuck. Really? Like you are in this thing. It's it's gigantic. It's huge. I sat in row H, and it was I was in it. 
obviously it was filmed it was, in IMAX. Yeah. IMAX. It was format, it was yeah. yeah it was shot on red it was shot on red configured for IMAX the new oh, the cool. monster I think it is yeah that's yeah. awesome I didn't realize that hmm well that is uh so so talk to me uh, you've seen it two and a half two and a half two and a half two and yeah. a half that is uh that is one and a half more times than I've seen it but I did see it last night so it is still very fresh very fresh in my mind uh l- let me just start and start with the general how do you feel about this one. And I know we can't, you know, you, we don't, we don't want to get too comparative, but it's kind of hard not to think about what they did with the first mm. one, just because, you, like Dave said at the beginning, uh, there were a lot of people who were really frustrated with the release of the first one. Everyone knew that it had kind of yeah. had a tough production. I think the the version that they chose to release, I'm assuming this is Warner Brothers. They they still own DC. Yeah, it was. Uh, a lot of people were really not under underwhelmed i will say is probably the best word to use for that one i think some people still had fun and it opened up characters like harley quinn and she got to make birds of prey which was awesome but i think as a whole people were a little frustrated with that so as highly anticipated as this one was dave green did it do it for you just give me your general general opinion fuck yes it did it for me oh good this this is amazing this is like this is what we've been waiting for in my opinion, like this, this is the DC film where they didn't interfere with it. They brought in a person who's at the top of their game. He wrote and directed this thing. It's got it's got all the fun one-liners you've come to expect from Marvel films, but they're a little more raw because this is R-rated. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. And yes, it's for sure. it's it's a Suicide Squad film. So like the the ad campaign for this was the poster, the character posters with "Don't get attached" as the tagline. So when the kills do come, this guy used to work for Troma. Like the kills come thick and fast and gory, like Brutal. and yeah. he, yeah, he's he is like he will go there with with that aspect of it, and he has fun with it. It's the reason, like the reason a lot of people watch slasher films is because like when you get to the kills, it's like oh that reaction, it's like oh that kills spectacular, and it's kind of it's kind of fun. It's almost in that respect, and the same thing is is with this, like when when the accidents happen or when they meet their demise or any like all of these because we start off with I think fifteen different villains yeah and yeah, yeah we're not uh, it's no spoil it's, yeah, no, it's yeah. no spoiler alert that not all that 15 villains make it through the fucking film sure, sure. um <laughs> some of them don't make it through the first five minutes but yeah. yeah um but yeah in this in this case this was everything i wanted to see done in this in this type of film it, it was that, like they well the first you- one just felt really hobbled yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, I remember. I remember talking to you about that one. I think you used that word. I think we both said it was a little clunky. I remember feeling like, uh, and again, folks, we're not we're not just comparing it to the first one, but it's kind of hard not to because this does. You said it really well. This is a gentle reboot. Was that the term you used? Yeah, it's yeah, a soft reboot. Yeah. A soft reboot. Excuse me. I remember. Yeah. The, I remember saying something to you about how I felt like the first one um, was was leaning a lot on some editing choices and a lot on the needle drops, like soundtrack stuff, because I kind of felt like the story was clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was that was one of the things he said uh, in his statement this week. Uh, the director of the original that yeah. when in his edit there was not a pop song in sight. Holy there was no, shit! None Are of you none of that music, none of that music was there. Um, yeah, it was it was a completely different film. Wow. Do you think that's just because DC got kind of used to uh, Zach? Um, let me out here. Justice League <laughs> Watchmen. It's, yeah. What's his yeah, last, it was, what's uh, his last name? Snyder. Yeah, Zack Snyder. Zach Snyder. Do you think they got kind of used to his flavor and his taste and they wanted their universe to kind of feel that way? Because he loves the needle drops and, and he uses them quite a bit in his movies. No, this uh, this came out just after, I think it was Batman versus Superman. Okay. Oh, this was in editing, in post, just around when Batman versus Superman bombed. Wow. 
and the reactions for that were gratuitously negative and everybody was making fun of it and yeah it was this that's when the the first one came out yeah this I, one had to contend with a with a bloody pandemic but you know they they yeah. can't catch a break but yeah this is this is a completely different film this like the other one felt like they it feels like it happens in a city block in the in the like the original film and it's it's small it's concise it tells a story i i didn't really like the story it told yeah but yeah yeah there okay. you go yeah, and but <laughs> bourbon and ginger folks he's going for but, it but uh but the um this one is a world it's not like it starts in the prison as it's meant to and then it moves to like an entire island yeah. And they bounce back and forwards and there's like all these fantastic locations they've got. They change locations regularly. They're bouncing around with time a little bit. This one just felt bigger. And so as because it felt bigger, the stakes felt bigger. And then, of course, when you get to the villain, which is one we've never seen on screen before, um, it just like they took this thing and just made it exactly as epic as it fucking should have been. Nice, dude. Well. So I'm uh, I'm going to I'm going to push against just a little bit not not because I wanted to talk to you about this because you and I've had this where's, conversation Where's the fuck you John button? I know. Get ready. Get ready for this. <laughs> get ready for this. I so first my first mistake and I'm not saying it's a mistake. I'm again just like Dave, I'm not going to tell anyone to go to a theater. I know this would have been more fun in a theater though. Like there's no doubt. I watched this on a television can, last night. I can vouch for that because yeah. I've seen it on HBO Max and I've seen it in the theater I, and totally, um, I totally yeah, believe just, you. There's so much yeah. I mean, because what what this movie does <laughs> succeed in, which was kind of I think James Gunn's, you know, is, is kind of his signature with with this movie, is is just how how brutal the the violence and the the sound design of the violence and stuff is. So like if you if you're not sensitive to that oh stuff God, and you sound. were looking and you were looking forward to it. I, you know, I watched this on a smaller television, probably 40, 40 something inches and, you know, a decent little speaker, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't immersive for sure. So that was, that was one mm. problem that maybe I was going up against. Um, big picture wise though, I, I will say this, this was one of those times that I felt, I felt like I was outside of the, of the loop um, coming into this movie. I don't, I like I saw the first Suicide Squad, but that's really and I saw Birds of Prey, but I don't really know much about mm. these characters at all. I had never heard of any of these people except for Harley Quinn. Now, is that yeah? True he for absolutely everybody? he absolutely did he did that on pos- on purpose. Yeah, I, like I I had to look up Polka Dot Man. Okay, so, um, but I had these to look are, up Ratcatcher too. Like, but these yeah, are I, like DC characters, or did they? They, they are. They're abs- absolutely no. They're absolutely the DC character. They changed Polka Dot Man's powers a little bit, but this everything else is there are they are actually all DC characters. Okay, so. I think uh, I think what I kept consciously thinking about when I was watching this was the things that didn't work for me were all because it was related to what I would say is kind of a, a lack of a traditional story. Um, yes, Idris Elba's character does does rise eventually to be, to become our protagonist, but this movie felt very uh, very like serialized to me. It felt like an installment, like one of the the comic books of Suicide Squad. It doesn't have to be hmm. related to uh, the one, the previous one, or the one that might come after it. I, I think it's kind of cool from a production standpoint that DC is saying, like, you know what, let's give some directors we think are really talented a chance to just make their installment. So I was kind of conflicted. While I was appreciating that, the the more traditional movie watcher in me that was kind of waiting to feel like I was invited into into some kind of an emotional connection to these characters, which I know is maybe that's... <laughs> 
maybe that's the problem. That's it's just paradoxical because you're not yeah. supposed to care about these people. Lit- the poster literally says, "Don't get attached." I know, but but you know how <laughs> you know how you know how with Game of Thrones. I'm not the- comparing this to Game of Thrones, but you know, a lot of people got yes. were like, "Wow, everybody's dying in Game of Thrones," and don't get attached. Hmm. But the reason that that a story that does kill off characters like Game of Thrones was so powerful is because you couldn't help it but begin to care about these people. I never really felt like I was. I never felt like I was supposed to care. And I think just as an experience, mm. I struggled with that because that, that I might don't be know because you were detached. I, well, maybe because I was detached, but I don't know if anyone, mm. I don't know. I think, I think you may have to love superhero movies to enjoy this movie. And I, I think you'll know what I mean when I say that, like there are certain superhero movies that are so well told and like the characters are so accessible that the story, literally, you know, the story that they're trying to put forward has some emotional attachment. There's something that's grounding it. So people who quote hate superhero movies, they kind of find themselves mm. rooting for them. I don't know because you're not supposed to be rooting really for anyone in this film. I don't know if you can, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to be inviting to everybody. Mm. I'll, I'll give you that. It is. I mean, also it's R rated. So the audience is limited, but it is kind of a niche film. It's like, uh, you know, my other favorite film, Scott Pilgrim. Like that, he Edgar Wright took this film and he went, I'm going to make it exactly like the, as much like the graphic novel as possible. I'm doing it in a stylized video game way. Fuck you if you don't get it. But I can't. And about I think Scott that Pilgrim, I think dude. I think I think James James Gunn's done a similar thing. Like, dude, I seriously, I, I there were a lot of characters I found myself caring about that I didn't even know at the start. Ratcatcher two, um, Polka Dot Man to some extent, and um, of course King Shark who steals the show every time he's in it. Yeah, pretty much. And it's, it's, yeah, I, I found myself caring. I didn't so much care about the Idris Elba, John Cena thing. Um, but don't you feel like that was, but, a, I know what you mean. I think some of the supporting characters were a little touching, but the thing that I felt like was supposed to be our vehicle, like was front and center, this the, the John Cena's character and uh, Idris Elba's character. I never really, it, it never transcended the action that was happening before me. I never got that feeling that I think an audience member is supposed to get where they start to imagine how they got here and they're hoping for how it will, it will resolve. And I kind of was just watching the whole time. Now, if you allow yourself Hmm. to do that, I think James Gunn's trauma roots come through and you're going to have a blood splatter bath. You know, you're going to, you're going to see a bunch of crazy shit, but I I don't know. Again, I will say I was sitting in there in that IMAX theater and every time one of those characters, because like there were a couple of them that like they, when they, they put in danger and it looks like they're going to buy it and you're in, you're watching a fucking suicide squad movie. You don't know who's going to live. And I knew nothing about this going in. I, I managed to avoid all spoilers. So I had no idea. And I, I was like edge of my seat. Like, is this person going to make it through the movie? Cause I like, I want to see more of this person. I, I, I had that in the theater sitting there. And so like when there were, there was a couple of times where characters I did care about did buy it. And I was like, Holy shit, that happened, and it 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 did affect me. So I I had a very different experience to what you had watching it. Yeah, I know. I wish I, I was excited I know. to talk to you. About I wish it everyone wore their like, damn masks and got vaccinated. I know, I know. I wish I could have gone to the theater for sure, and maybe in a couple of weeks, if this thing is still in there, I'll I'll try to go and give it another shot. I don't want I don't want it to sound like I I really like hated it or anything. It it wasn't mm. that strong. I just didn't feel. Uh, I I never felt like I. I just never connected with it. I couldn't quite tell. There were some weird hmm. comedic moments in there. And obviously, James Gunn. I think the, you know, the <laughs> Guardians movies are, are, are funny. You know, I think he's got some yeah. just just like this too. He's got, he has a great cast in this. He had a great cast in that. He's not a stranger to to kind of absurd superhero comedy where you got people doing you know doing comedic bits, uh, physical and dialogue hmm. driven. 
while they're wearing superhero costumes. Like he he's done that a quite a bit. But part of me did wonder if he if he kind of leaned into that a little bit more than maybe was necessary. I'm a, we're going to switch roles here for a second. And you're the one who always tells me, beware of the final cut, because sometimes I like people's stuff and you say it should be edited too much. I think James Gunn maybe needed somebody to edit his stuff a little bit. I don't know if I don't know if the dialogue in this movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I feel comfortable saying that. No, I I disagree with you entirely. I had a blast with every fucking one-liner. All the comedy was that was just left hanging just that little bit too long to make it awkward. Normally, I don't even go for that. But right, like, dude, well, then, uh, explain. Here's a spoiler, folks. Sorry, I'm not going to get too much into the details. All right, we're Dave, going for spoilers. David, we're going for spoilers. What the fuck was the point of that weasel, dude? Explain the weasel character to me. I don't understand why that was a perfect example. And no offense, I'm going to get I'm going to get highbrow for a second. The first parts of movies, we've said this a million times, are kind of teaching you like how to watch a movie. So obviously I was totally on board with like, great, everybody's going to fucking die. I like that they put the twist on there. I like at the beginning that Mm. basically you think you're in one story and then everybody gets fucking murdered right in front of you in like the first 10 minutes. But there was a character at the beginning, this weasel character, that kind of gets a a, quite a bit of the spotlight considering what he ends up doing for the service of the quote story and I'm for his part of the mm. movie. And then it kind of comes back at the end. And I don't know. I just couldn't, did, did that really, did that land for you? Did you think that it was, was funny and you thought yeah, it was absolutely great? Absolutely. I pissed, I pissed myself at that. Yeah. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. And I love well, the, the callback I saw coming a mile away because they kept cutting back to him and I'm like, at some point that thing's going to get up. Yeah. Like, for sure. but it's going to be like, after, yeah. And, but no, the, like the, that scene it's like, did anybody check if he could swim? <laughs> and it's was, just, he's just there on the monitor fucking flailing around. That was okay. I'm that was pretty fun. Right, right, but that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about. But, that, but, but that's the thing as well. Like you, you're expecting that that's like subverting your expectations because you're expecting these big kills and like all hell to break loose on the beach. And it's, it's like what Deadpool 2 did with Task Force X. It's like one of them doesn't even make it from the get go. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, but incidentally, I, if anyone asks you to join any team with an X in the name, just fucking run. Yeah, you should probably get the fuck out of there. Although I do think <laughs> yeah. that that X Force Two, I was laughing hysterically, and I feel like that was universally yeah. celebrated. I think that was a, a funnier version than this. But but let's take exactly oh, what you were talking that was, about. That was hilarious when he is drowning. When this weasel character falls in the water, and it is at the beginning of the movie, you're still kind of figuring mm. out what the hell you're watching. I laughed at that moment, but then it goes into this like very drawn out like life-saving routine where they try to they try to you know one of the characters goes down and gets him and they announce that he's dead and uh-huh. they like take their time with it and i don't know that was one of those moments where I, I could see i could see myself folks i've been in this position before i'm not trying to sound like an asshole where you think like no i think that i think it's kind of weird it throws you off it's unpredictable and i'm sitting there in the editing booth and somebody looks at me and says i really just don't know if it works or if it's necessary to do the thing you're trying to do. I feel like somebody didn't have the right to tell James Gunn that. And there were just a few moments like that in the movie. And unfortunately, I think, as we all know in movies, those tiny little things add up. And every time a tiny little thing happens, people get pulled away from it. So it wasn't that I was, Mm. it wasn't that I was like angry. I just got a little confused about why certain things were happening sometimes. And I guess they were supposed to be funny. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the reason the reason some of that went on so long is because for about the first 20 seconds of it, I was still fucking laughing. So I wasn't paying attention to what was going on the screen because I'm pissing myself laughing at what's just happened. And it, I laughed for a long time at that. I, I, everything he did landed with me. 
I this is this is exactly the kind of comedy I go and see these movies for. Like, and it's so good to see DC embracing that stuff. So I, I'd hate for them to shy away from that. But and I, I think I don't think there was anything wrong with the editing in this. I think everything was well and truly in its place. Wow. Yeah. 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 Because like ev- ev- almost the 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 only thing I would say is maybe Harley's speech in the in the palace went on a little bit too long. Okay, so can we? I want I do want to talk to you about that because that was a big picture question I had for. But that's a but that was fans, that was her moment. DC fans, um, it was a little strange to me that the one character that I did feel like okay, surely we're going to still be connected to her. Like they've done a whole movie with her, like. You know, we got introduced mm. to her through the other one, and she was kind of the only person that came out of there, like, r- really celebrated. Everyone was kind of excited to see what they were going to do with Harley Quinn. She made Birds of Prey, which which I think was also, like, celebrated well enough for people to think, like, okay, she's yeah. she's a fixture now. We're going to, you're going to be able to care about Car- you know, Harley just enough. You know, and of course, mm. she's still Harley Quinn, so, you know, you're not supposed to necessarily she was, be on she was one side. of the most re- She was one of the most requested characters to have a movie done. Absolutely, and, and so, I totally, I totally yeah. understand that. When we got into this movie, I think it, it almost felt to me like James Gunn was saying, and it's not necessarily his fault. I don't know what the studio expected of this script and what they were trying to accomplish with this, but it did feel like they were splitting their interests so that, and I couldn't help but comp- think about how how they were doing it in the Marvel movies. Like whenever, because, you know, Iron Man was first and hmm. let's say Captain America. We got introduced to these characters individually. And then a few years later, they made, you know, Avengers. And I couldn't help but think, how did they balance the status of certain characters when they're all in the group endeavors why did robert downey jr still seem like iron man with the same status of a character in context with the rest of the avengers and i'm not saying i have the specific answer but i do know that i kept i kept waiting for harley to to do that here for them to give that to her yeah well i i think i think they um because of like her history and because she was a, a fixture of, cause that was one of the other things about uh, the first suicide squad. They really leaned on her and Will Smith, Like they leaned on yeah. those two characters to get them through in this one. Everybody got their moment. He introduced you to all of these characters and he fleshed them out enough that you wanted to see their stories. You wanted to hear little back and forth. Like, and it, for me, this worked. I loved that. He spread it out. Everybody got a moment. Everybody got their story told. Can't you say it that wasn't about, just. Can't you say that about the Marvel hmm? movies? But you still don't. I still feel like the 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 equality is still is still shared in those movies. Yet you never lose the status. The relationships that you have to those individual superheroes in their movies, you still have in the group movies, the Avengers movies. Hmm. And I felt like for this one, I, I honestly, dude, after watching Birds of Prey and thinking about the, the dialogue that she had with this one, it felt pretty trite compared to like what they showed us that she sure sure to what they showed us that not not that what her character is capable of but they worked pretty hard in birds of prey to try to kind of get us inside her weird fucked up little psyche and i feel like they just yeah, gave us i'm the not actually sure if, i'm not sure if this happens before or after birds of prey i'm assuming it's after because they make mention of her being out of prison right or back in prison oh, yeah, again. yeah yeah in the time um, yeah 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 but um yeah, it, see, for for me, there was there was a moment of growth there with her character. They pulled her back to almost normal for a second when she she meets the like the president, and they pull her back to almost normal. And I was like, when she, they're standing there having a conversation, and he's standing there by the window and he's rattling off all this stuff. I was waiting for a bullet to come through the window. Totally caught me by surprise. Okay, okay, so that all right now, I did I did too. 
I, I will say hmm. that that sequence leading up to it, like their fall in love montage, that didn't work for me at all. I thought that was c- crazy. I don't understand why why they did that. I, I, I think they were setting up the joke. And I did get excited when she finally, spoiler alert, folks, if you haven't turned off yet, uh, when she finally shoots him, I was like, whoa, okay, here we go. And I was, I was excited. I was like, finally, we're going to get into Harley's POV a little bit more. Her point of view is going to come through and, yeah. and maybe we're going to see, you know, two stories. One is going to be Idris's and one mm. is going to be hers. And I felt like they, as soon as that, the fight scene was incredible. Like when she walked away out of that yeah. room and she killed everybody, it was it yes. very violent, but it was fucking that was, awesome. That was dude. very epic. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. It was her her fight sequence. It was really great. Mm. But but again, I couldn't help but think, as great as this fight sequence is, I, I was kind of I was a little let down that my favorite part of Harley Quinn's journey w- was her not talking and acting. It was just her kicking ass. I felt like they had an opportunity to get into her point of view, and they consistently diminished it. Every time I thought I was getting close, they kind of pulled back and tried to just make it. She's one of the team, but she's not one of the team, dude. She's Harley Quinn. I have a relationship yeah. with her, you know, as a, as an audience yeah. member. So that didn't, I don't know if that one worked very well for me. What did you think though hmm. about um, John Cena? Cause that did kind of surprise me that his character ended up, I'm not gonna lie. I thought he was just going to be the muscle bound dude on the side and have some yeah, funny he, one-liners. He has a couple of really good moments for me. Like that, that whole pissing contest in the village. When they're yeah. just taking out the rebels, that was fun. Like that was fun. Yeah, I got my, that, that apology my, was really good. Yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah. was funny, dude. Um, but like, there's there's one moment from him right near the end where they're fighting over yeah the drive yeah, and like he ends up like and we're well and truly in spoiler yeah, yeah. territory Folks, at this sign point. The fuck off. We're going to so, tell you the yeah. end of this movie real fast. So he, yeah, he basically ends up killing a member of the team. Yeah. And there's this moment on his face where you see this, this realization of like what he's done, what he's yeah, become. And it was more care. It was more internal character than I ever expected to see out of John Cena, which is amazing. Um, I found the rest of his character. Okay. Um, what I'm more excited about is the series that he's now got. Uh, out of this basically what? so um oh okay yeah basically if um did you watch the end credit scene yeah i did so this is the character peacemaker okay. john cena's character peacemaker yes peacemaker ha- they've already shot an entire um se- season what? of television uh his own tv show coming oh, out on hbo max cool. and those guys those guys uh in the team that were in amanda waller's team are now teamed with him as punishment uh, and I was actually hoping that they were in that series because I could see more of those guys. They were fun. Mm-hmm. Like they they were, they didn't do much, but they were there literally to set up them him them working with Peacemaker later. Right, right. Because that yeah that that's a TV. So now we're going to get a TV series out of it with Peacemaker. Well, that is fun. And what what you were saying about how it kind of surprised you, I I did enjoy that, and I got surprised. I did get surprised, and I got excited because I thought like, okay, that's. That's what this is going to be. And I'm not trying to sound like I need to understand it to enjoy it. I, I don't want to understand everything. That's that's never fun. Hmm. But that surprise, the unpredictable thing, the turn with what they were doing to give us a little bit more of John Cena's point of view. One, it created a lot of conflict, which is fun because you get introduced yeah. to him. That that great line, uh, I'll kill every woman. I'll kill as many women, children, and men as, as I need to for peace or, or whatever that, that line is. Yeah. I mean, it just tells you exactly. Yeah. And if I had, yeah. That and if I had to eat a whole bag of dicks. Oh, for yeah. liberty! If this beach was covered in dicks, have, I'd eat them all. The bag of dicks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was very funny. But I, so, so I enjoyed, I enjoyed the turn, and I thought that I was like, okay, I guess from an outside perspective, again, someone who doesn't really understand why they're making Suicide Squad movies, 
outside of just the the fun, the killing, which is a given, you know, you, you want that treasure. You want that, that third mm. rail, that other element that's going to make people yeah. actually want to rewatch these movies for a reason other than that. And I thought that they were going to start fucking with, which they did with Idris Elba's character a little bit. I'm not a good person. Like, how do you make the, how do you make these classically terrible, you know, villains have to hmm. feel really conflicted about doing something that is actually emotional, emotionally relevant or morally yeah. or ethically relevant. And I felt like they started to do that with him. I enjoyed that. I just wanted them to, to mess with their other lead characters a little bit more in that regard. So I didn't feel like, so I didn't feel like I was, I was only watching like the killing sequences and then jokes. It, it, this movie did eventually kind of turn into where I felt like I was watching those two sequences over and over again. And again, if that's all they were going for, then that's absolutely fine. No, there was there was more in there. It just didn't land for you. I guess it just didn't land, like, dude. Yeah, like the the all of every almost everything Ratcatcher Two does, and she was amazing. I I really enjoyed her work and what she brought to this character. Um, but all the stuff like where she's telling the story of her father, who I don't I didn't even notice was Taika Waititi until the end. Until <laughs> until the end, yeah. yeah when you see either. him face on, it's like oh, it's like, why is he? Yeah, in this and movie? Like, yeah, because he, he can't put in the credits. And you're like, where is he? What was he wearing? But um, yeah, she, I found her entire like she and they they have described her as the heart of the film. Peter Capaldi is the thinker. I thought was fucking brilliant. He played that he like was there good. was never any there was never any alternative for that character. He was good because that's that is the most assholeish I've ever seen that character played. And they've they've done a couple of incarnations of him. Um, the Flash on TV did him. one as well, yeah. but he was just he was fucking brilliant at it. He just nailed it. I do think that, yeah, I felt, I kept feeling like there were, and again, I I did you know I smiled at some of the funny moments. I, I enjoyed the killing sequences. Some of the fight stuff was really fun. I enjoyed the unpredictability of some of the structure. But I, I did feel uh, uh, overall, I think James Gunn was was trying to have a lot of like tongue in cheek fun with the superhero structure and the superhero tropes. And like when Ratcatcher, when she like out of fucking nowhere, they somebody asked her a question and they montage her childhood of how she with like a very emotional, you know, forced kind of like this is my story. I think they could have gone even further with that kind of stuff. Like make it ridiculous. Cause they were, I feel like sometimes it was sitting on the edge for me and I couldn't quite tell if, if superhero fans were excited to see that kind of thing or like in a good slasher movie, like you compared earlier, do really, you know, in the really cheesy slasher mm -hmm. movie moments, do all the slasher movie fans go like, <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. I love it. I couldn't tell if the superhero fans in this one were saying, oh, that's so ridiculous. What a forced I mean, way to, to sneak in her expository narrative. Or if they're... No, to me, that in, that endeared me the character. I didn't find that forced at all. Oh, I don't know yeah. where you're coming from with that. That was, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was perfect for her character. Yeah. I mean, it just like, I, yeah, I did feel like it was a little forced. And I thought it was supposed to be a little comedic, which was, which was okay. But what, her dad with the heroin? was, was just funny the, just the, i think literally <laughs> they ask her like how do you connect rats and she like gives a monologue <laughs> like yeah. immediately like it, like it doesn't get into it and then like in the background of the shot you see her like re reliving this like in that kind of flashbacky way yeah i don't know i just didn't think it there were there were it felt it just didn't feel like it it was all in the same film for me and i wasn't quite sure if i just wasn't quite sure if this was exactly the film that everybody wanted to make. I think James Gunn wrote a script that when you were sitting down around a table, I bet you can see like, this is going to be a really funny fucking movie. 
And I think sometimes the editing and the pacing and some of the structure stuff just just got a little strange for me. Mm. And I like strange. It nah, just wasn't the strange that. that I that I didn't really respond to. Mm. So if you're a fan of the show and you like the movies that I liked, you're going to love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what, yeah. It's the, it's the I mean, what, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there. I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there last night and I was like, I cannot wait to hear if Dave liked I'd, this movie a lot or if yeah, he felt. Yeah, I really did. Like I, the, I will be watching this continuously um, for, a, for quite some time. Uh, one thing I have to bring up, because obviously the main villain is Starro, which is a giant starfish, which is just ridiculous to begin with. But like, I, this is the first time I've used him on screen. It was suitably enormous. And then you've got the Starro spores, which this thing fires out that take over people. It basically latches onto them like an alien facehugger and they become a part of Starro's consciousness. Yeah. When it launched those things and they started getting people, the fucking wet smack as it hits the face... <laughs> So I'm just effect, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that sounds like it hurts, and it should. Yeah. This thing's hitting you at velocity. It's but the, like it was just that one thing I really noticed. I was like, that sounds like it was fucking painful. Oh yeah, and I I really appreciate like that in the like the sound of because also I our yeah, fucking IMAX was cranked. Oh, I'm sure, dude. And also because yeah. because of the story element where uh, his basically whoever th- this villain whoever gets these little things on their faces become part of him. So all the it attaches to mm. all these people. So one of us. Because of that, there's a lot of there's a lot of great like bad extra acting. Like people with yeah. stars on their face, like yelling lines like this and stuff, which which is funny. I did enjoy that. That was very trauma. The way that they were directing like the extra scenes and it was very silly. It was, you know, kind of ridiculous. And you're you're supposed to laugh at that crap. And I think it was it was not supposed to be scary. And I did really enjoy mm. that. I thought that was fun. Yeah. So all in all, I, I feel like it was a fun movie. I like, like he has apparently been offered another DC film um, after this one. So I'm very interested to see what that is. That's, is that, I know, I know you and I don't, you know, we're not at their level, but is that surprising to you that, that they're willing to share directors like that? Um, uh, Marvel, I mean, Disney, they, they, Marvel Fox, and he's, um, I mean, DC Warner well, Brothers. Well, I mean, he's not under an exclusive contract, so yeah. But nonetheless, like, just like he, aesthetically, like, I'm a little surprised by that. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm impressed in a good way. I think that's cool that they're willing to hmm. let somebody go back and forth. Yeah, I mean, t- they don't have any choice really, unless they lock him in, lock him in for like a production deal. In which case, they have to pay him a shitload more money. He's the first to one keep to do him it, exclusively. Though, right? Am I? I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, also, you know, they did sack him for almost no reason. That's because <laughs> it was like ten, fucking- ten year, ten year old <laughs> tweets that would like. He was like, yeah, I was, I was being an idiot. Yeah. You're not allowed to be a funny <laughs> idiot anymore or, or just an idiot yeah. or, or yeah. Well, no, I'm you're glad not he's to be, back. You're not allowed to be funny on Twitter and to have a political opinion. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't even try to be yeah, that complicated. Can't, those two things don't mix. Do that. That, that, yep. Le- no layers. We're not onions, people. Well, you know, fuck me and fuck my stuff that if I didn't really get it, I was still very excited that he got hired to do this. I think it's really cool that, me too. that these superhero movies, whenever they're taking chances on alter style storytelling, I think that that, you know, that might be one of the ways that it could be a, a very fresh take. Um, we have celebrated the Marvel franchise before on this for how it feels like it is one mm. cohesive vision. I think it's fun. Yeah that they're starting to step away and do more alter style stuff. And I think DC is obviously hmm. doing something similar. So if and you I, were, I'm uh, glad that we finally get to, to celebrate a DC movie on here. Yeah. Well, well, our Corona franchise face off the last minute entries of the Batman, the dark Knight trilogy. I mean, those are still, 
those are still th- those are DC, right? We're still going to celebrate th- those. Are, yeah, yeah. That's the bar. That's the bar for the DC stuff. But uh, it's fun mm. to see something like this that goes completely the other way. This is not d- down and dirty, gritty Nolan realism, right? This is fucking. And the, yeah. there's an entire conversation and this, and about no- a supervillain eating a bag of dicks for liberty to preserve liberty, like a a, a beach full of dicks. Just so- <laughs> and because they didn't need it, not a Joker in sight. I was going to ask you about that. Were there any, were there any internet things where people pissed off about that? I'm not gonna lie, I did keep I waiting. Got, I, I was like, who the fuck is playing Joker in this all, one? <laughs> all I've heard is people glowing about this thing. I haven't actually seen anything bad about it. But like, but again, yeah, it's like Joker. Like he, he doesn't need to be there. Like we've they've basically separated themselves from Joker now. Um, and if it's gonna come along, it's gonna be something independent. I think like. It's he's not going to be a member of Task Force X. He's not like it'll be traditional Batman versus Joker or something to that effect. Yeah, I would imagine they're probably holding back on that character because I think you and I are, mm. are both, and I think a lot of people are very excited for the Robert Pattinson. Uh, oh know, yeah, reboots and new, hopefully mm. a new series of Batman movies, and I'm sure at some point they're going to want to cast a fresh face for Joker and really let him go to town with a whole new whole new uh, approach to the character. So I was happy that I'm not gonna lie. There was a part of me that thought at the end of this movie, when this Starro is fucking kaijuing around this, <laughs> this Island, it's destroying buildings. <laughs> I kind of thought Joker was going to come out of fucking nowhere and just like torch him or drop some chemical weapon on him or something crazy. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, no, and they, just this did not de Joker. The team was strong enough in itself. It was really, again, we're in the spoiler section, folks. It was, uh, it was really beautiful the way, cinematically the way they brought down this this villain the way they filmed mm. the inside of his eye and when harley oh busts yeah through and the rats it's it's ridiculous you know you gotta you gotta just watch yeah. it with a smile on your face but there is beauty to that absurdity like i thought that they, one was that one was definitely for the fans <laughs> i mean that was i was <laughs> like there was a catharsis there for sure it's gross and beautiful and absurd and ridiculous all at the same time so uh again don't feel pressure to go see this in the theater, but uh, it sounds like that's probably the way to mm. watch this movie. So if you if you have your home theater system, crank up that 5.1, that 7.1, and yeah. fucking get in there. But if you're in a place where it's safe to do so, and I mean safe, don't take any chances. I'm not going to suggest anyone risk their health for a damn movie, but IMAX was phenomenal yeah. with this so I, like if you, yeah. if it's if we if they do a re-release which i really hope they do um yeah. see it then in imax I feel so even if you've seen it on hbo yeah. max see it in imax and maybe yeah. i'm not gonna be, you tell me i would imagine for at most places imax and dolby are probably gonna have less people in the theater just because it's a they're bigger oh, yeah, theaters my, and they're more expensive well, tickets uh actually in new york the the night season the night ones were pretty packed but the 11 a.m <laughs> not only is it, is yeah, it cheaper yeah, yeah, yeah. but nobody's getting up that early to go to a movie so you can sneak in and yeah you, you usually get it like especially in the dolby one like we yeah we get seats to ourselves all the time oh, man well you know i, I was I, I i don't want to sound i don't want to say i was negative but i was i was very critical so i'm just gonna mm. just gonna buzz myself for this whole movie <laughs> i am so thankful though that you had a good time and i want people to see these movies i want people to start supporting you know, everybody getting back into movies again. I feel like we took a year off. I'm excited for James Gunn. I hope he keeps directing. Mm. I really like what he does. So, um, yeah, man, this was fun. We are going to transition into uh, what we always do at the end of these fucking things. We're going to talk about what you've been watching. If there's anything we want to recommend yeah. to the viewers out there, if you're fucking bored at home with the Delta swirling around and you need a if, little, yeah, if they've sent you home again, Jesus Christ, yeah, <laughs> if you're, or if you're just sending yourself home and you want to. 
You want to have something fun? I have been on fucking moving series all over the country. I'm finally got resettled in LA. I'm so excited to be here, excited to start school. But because of that, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch too much stuff. But uh, I will say before I ask you, Dave, I watched uh, The Ring the other night, which I hadn't seen in a while. Oh, still held uh, as up. in the the first American one or the not the Japanese one, the Gore okay. Levin- yeah, uh, Levinsky, Gore Levinsky uh, with Naomi Watts. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was uh, still held up, man. I had fun time. Yeah, we were that's, scared. it's fucking terrifying. Good time if you were looking for a good horror <laughs> yeah. movies from the early two thousands. How about you? Have you been been watching anything fun? I got two. I, I got yeah, I got two good ones this week. I finally saw Mandy. Mm. Uh, went got Dude. my Nick Cage on and yeah. watched Mandy. I was yeah, I don't, I I really don't get what a lot of the fuss was about. It's I was bored for a lot of it. There are dude, I've kind of felt the same way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buzz you. Yeah, I'm gonna buzz you too. Just because why not? Uh, I saw that movie with a lot of excitement and anticipation because everybody was fucking raving about it. Like the horror movie yeah. friends that we have, everybody was talking so much about it. There are some really beautiful moments and really cool, yes. powerful moments. But I will say, as a film, I was I was a little bit like, I don't know, like it went back hmm. to the story thing for me. So I think I agree with you. Yeah, I'm not about sure if it 20 landed. minutes of stuff actually happens in that movie. It really does kind of feel that way. Yeah. It kind of sets up this event, and then the event sort of happens. And if, yeah, I don't know if that was enough for me either. So I'm glad you agree. Yeah. See, Dave and I and agree. I also, yeah, <laughs> we, it happens rarely, but we, agree. <laughs> we drink for agreeing. Um, no, uh, and I also caught finally caught Bill and Ted face the music. Dude, I haven't seen it yet. How much fun was it? It is so much. Like, there's one or two bits that are a little cheesy, but nah, it's great. Nothing. A, like, if you, nothing, a couple beers and a joint won't fix as long as I'm in the right yeah. place to watch a Bill and Ted. Yeah, movie. It's, yeah. yeah, and it, like if you if you liked like Bogus Journey, exactly. this is the movie for you. Exactly. Good man, I'm excited. They, they get all the homages in there. They should. It gets a little weird. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's weird seeing Keanu do that character at this age. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what I was worried to. about. Was the trap there? Did yeah. you feel like the old guy? He's not old, but the, the older man is doing, you know, kind of recreating the younger character. Was no, actually, because he's the one that's he's the one that's having the I uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore kind of crisis. Okay, good. So whereas whereas yeah, it, it's like Bill is like yeah, yeah we we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this because I gotta say but, I'm a huge, uh, yeah, it's, it's, huge it's a fan of him. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's great. I had fun. I chuckled a lot of times, and some of the some of the throwback cameos are amazing. Where was it, like, dude? Where did yeah. you see that? That was um, not to put oh you on God, the spot. Where was that? But that is streaming you somewhere. Find that, that was on, in one of our services. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, Paramount yeah. Plus and Hulu. So check it out. I think I saw the Ring on Netflix. Um, one series I'm very excited to watch, and then we'll get off of here is uh, that uh, that new mm. three part uh, documentary series on Obama. Not saying. You know, not to be political, cool. but it looks very well done. It's on HBO Max. I'm kind of excited to watch that. Anybody who's into documentaries, I've been hearing good things about Val. I haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. um, I've been hearing I, yeah. he apparently got apparently got some really interesting um, behind the scenes footage on Doctor Moreau. I I have that you know shows, what? There that are shows like, a set yeah, in absolute chaos. There are like yeah. legends about his footage on that set before this movie ever came out. This all this exciting documentary mm. about Val Kilmer we're talking about about all the footage. This is all footage that he took himself. So I definitely want to check that one out, dude. Good call. Thank you for recommending mm. that, reminding us. Yeah. Well, I recommended having seen it, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm I excited it, though. I think sorry. it did well in the festival circuit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. So that was fucking the Suicide Squad. Go check it out if you feel safe and comfortable. Mm. It is in theaters. If not, stay home, watch it safely on uh, HBO Max. Warner Brothers has the releases coming out straight to the streaming service all year, so we're definitely recommending that if you want to do that instead. Um, we are going to. Uh, 
take a quick piss break and get another beer or two or three because we are about to record our next episode, which will be released on, uh, I think it's on Thursday for Catwoman, Halle Berry's Catwoman. So if you want to join us later in the week, you will hear us uh, quite toasty because... Well, you know, debate (laughs) wasn't really that bad. (laughs) Thank you so much, film fans. We will see you later.